Welcome to a game of two halves, the blue corner. And today we are joined by Uzi, the Brentford fan. How are you doing, Uzi? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, and um, thank you very much for having me on today's podcast. Brilliant. Yeah, so just to, just to start things off, how, how, what was your take on the game? Obviously, Everton won 1-0, an early, very early goal by Dwight McNeil. What was your take on the game on Saturday? Well, it's obviously very uh, frustrating and disappointing to lose uh, see that unbeaten run. Um, you know, going to Everton, I feel it, which is obviously a very tough place to go anyway, uh, regardless of their you know current predicament. Um, at the foot of the table, conceding afterwards at 35 seconds, I think it was. It's not ideal. And it's not, you know, if you have aspirations of, you know, playing European football, then conceding 30, after 35 minutes uh, at a ground, which is already very tough enough, it is as it is when, you you know, you've got the home fans behind you. It's not exactly uh, conducive, which is quite annoying. You know, it could have been worse. I mean, I, 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 I'll admit, I did see DeMar Gray's goal afterwards. I thought, I thought it should have been given. Um so that could have, it should have been even worse actually, because um, I don't know if, you know, if you go in at two into, if you go into the half time at two nil down, I think, you know, you're looking, you're asking a lot. So that was an interesting yeah. first half, wasn't it? Really, I think I didn't expect Everton to come out quite like they did, and we were fearful of you guys, obviously seeing the form that you're in, seeing the twelve games unbeaten as well, and there was a sense around Goodison that we were up for it after we heard the siren before kick off. We we felt like something was coming, and then. As the atmosphere built, you then kick off within 35 seconds for Dwight McNeil to score. If we just go back to that goal, like it was a great goal, wasn't it, Ollie? It was, and it's funny enough. I've got a funny stat about that. Dwight McNeil's eventual winner on Saturday at Goodison Park was Everton's earliest ever winner at Goodison Park. So it, it just shows how important it was to come flying out the blocks because that early goal meant it set the tone for the fans, it set the tone for the squad, and it meant we had a really good chance going forward. Now, I think we. We unsettled you guys, I thought. We didn't really give you a chance to get going, get on the ball and stuff. And, you know, we know that you're a better team quality-wise than us, but I don't think we gave you that chance to settle because we were so frantic. And I'm sure you're aware of the Goodison atmosphere, the way it was. Because it was so raucous, you're kind of thinking, how do we settle down here? So what were you thinking in the first half, Uzi? I mean, that first goal, you you could not wish for a literally a better start because... As I said, when you're at home, you know, you get that early goal, then it obviously start like it would have start startled Brentford quite a lot. You know, this was a team that, you know, wants such a good run and to just like, you know, be a goal down after but I think I could be wrong here, but I think that's probably the earliest Brentford I've ever have ever fell behind um, right. in a in a in a Premier League game. So, you know, playing against, you know, particularly a, a Sean Dyche team, you know, when you're one nil down, you know, you're you're just uh, you know, you're just asking uh just asking for trouble, really. You can't really complain of that first half, to be honest. It's just you know you were the best. You know you were the best side. It's just you know there's no there's no sugar coating it um, at all, really. Yeah, it's interesting you touched on the the Sean Dyche team and the mentality around Everton at the moment because we very much do feel as Everton fans that if you do not get the first goal, you do not win a game. We saw it in Nottingham Forest last weekend where Demario Gray scored the penalty early doors, um, but equally at Anfield we went behind. Oh, Rather unfairly, to be honest. Um, James Tarkowski hitting the post in the Merseyside derby and then Liverpool going up the other end and scoring. Um, we do massively feel that if we go behind in a game, we do not come back because we don't have the the necessary power up front to get a goal. What do you think, Ellis? I think the key thing with Everton is confidence and belief in themselves. And obviously a team like Brentford who've been doing well, they have that inner confidence, whereas with us, like Ollie says, about getting the first goal is so important because we don't believe these players quite 
trust themselves to get back into a game if they go behind. So I imagine Thomas Frank probably set up expecting get an early goal, unsettle that Goodison crowd, because however good they can be on the day, when we're struggling, things can get tough, things can get nervy. And I feel like we restricted you to very few clear-cut chances in the first half. Obviously, you had the Tony header and stuff, but I was expecting the likes of Ivan Tony to be a much bigger threat than they were. Rick. That first half, was that a bit out of character for you guys? Yeah, you could, you could, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it was very lacklustre. Um, didn't really, again, didn't really test Pickford or, or make the defence work. Um, uh, like, probably, like, you've probably been accustomed to in, in, uh, previous weeks. Um, it was, as you said, it was a very unlike Bradford performance in that first half and could have been worse. I mean, I think, I think not just the great chance, but I think you had a header as well, I think, which I, I could be wrong. I know you did have you did have uh, a chance, uh, had a chance as well. Yeah. So you could you could have been maybe three 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 nil up. So, well, what's your sort of opinion? What is the the feeling amongst Brentford fans at the moment? Obviously, you've lost the unbeaten run. Yeah. Um. Obviously, twelve games unbeaten was a massive achievement. Brentford's arguably Brentford's best ever run as a club. But what is the feeling amongst Brentford fans at losing it to the likes of Everton? Because I feel like a lot of Brentford fans might be a bit disappointed going to Goodison and not getting at least a draw or a victory. So were Brentford fans a bit disappointed on, on Saturday evening? I think they were just disappointed by the fact that, you know, it was such a poor first half contributed to that. I don't think maybe, yeah, you could argue that, you know, the fact that Everton are down there, you know, may, and, you know, you lose your unbeaten record to them is, a, you know, will sting. Uh, you pardon the pun. Um, uh, so, but look, I mean, when I look back, you know, it is, it's, it's a tough, as I said, it's a tough place to go anyway. And I should stress that, you know, we were, we were 60 seconds or so away from losing it against Palace, uh, at home a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, and they, and they've been absolutely dreadful recently. So, you know, I think they haven't won, I think they have, they haven't, I don't think they've had a show on target in their last three games. So, oh, that's correct. They've not. Yeah, um, so it could have been worse. It was, a, it was a weird second half, wasn't it, for like, comparing it to the first half, because you look at the first half, Everton with a better side, and we've seen a few times we can't quite pull that through to the second half. But for me, the key turning point was when you made the two substitutions around the 62nd minute. Uh, De Silva came on, Sharda came on. I personally think that changed the game. Do you agree? Because I think Thomas Frank's versatility, the way he can just shift the game tactically with a substitution, I think that was the point where you guys got back into it. Yeah, I think, well, I personally wanted to, I wanted to see Sharda start. I think I, I was at the game last week against Fulham and he was just, I mean, that cameo he had there was just incredible. You know, he, the way he just rolled Anthony Robinson and, you know, played it Jensen to all but seal the win. Uh, that, I mean, that was just, that was a brilliant, uh, Cameo from him. If we had seen Shah the start, especially after that cameo, it could have, it could have, maybe could have been different. I don't know. We don't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you talk about Kevin Sharder because I was really impressed with him on Saturday afternoon. I thought he massively changed the game when he came on and he really looked a threat to the Everton defence. And this is all in the wake of obviously the implications of potentially losing Ivan Tony in the coming weeks with his ongoing FA investigation. Do you think that Kevin Sharder can be the, the the actual sort of placeholder for Ivan Tony while you lose him, or do you think that's that's not really enough to replace his goals in the squad? That's a tricky question. Um, the fact that we've because we haven't really seen him play in a sense of like you know we haven't seen him play as, as a centre forward. He's usually played on usually played out wide, whether it be on the left or right. Um, so to like put that to put so much trust in a 
with a 21 year old uh, you know replacing Ivan Tony would be quite um, be quite be quite risky if I'm being honest it's, it's going to be a tricky uh, kind of blow to lose him uh, it'd be a huge loss to you as well like you know we know what his goals bring and of course he is not the only key player in your team but he's so integral the way I feel like he's almost got an aura about him that drags your team along as well because he's so confident he believes in himself I think the belief rubs off on the rest of the team but in the second half I didn't see a lot of him really he was it was quite surprising. I don't know if it was because we restricted you to not many open, obvious chances, but we felt like you had all of the game that second half. But Tony wasn't really getting the chance he usually would, and I don't know if that was a tactic from us, because we've heard about uh, Dice defending the V before, which is like basically keeping the ball out of the six-yard box and a bit beyond that. And I think that restricted Ivan Tony. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could you could maybe argue that. Uh, but I do also thought that I think if... Uh, he had the chances um Henry and Pinnacle, I think he probably would have had a winning brace. So unfortunately, uh, the, the 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 chances fell fell to the wrong wrong players, unfortunately. But yeah, I think it wasn't it wasn't very it wasn't Tony's probably best game. Uh, we've obviously we've seen him play a lot better than than we saw on Saturday. We just hope that uh, that was just a one-off, and hopefully he can uh, well the next two games until the break. Uh, you can help, we can try and get you know six points six points from these next two. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I want to bring a little bit of a point to light as well about Damari Gray's performance as a lone striker. Obviously, we've talked about Ivan Tony for, for quite a lengthy period there and how his influence on the Brentford side. But I thought Damari Gray was really really good on on Saturday as a lone striker in a dice formation. You don't get a lot of chances coming your way, and I mean some of some of his game by numbers. He had forty touches. He, he Three dribbles completed, one big chance created, two two key passes, and for me that was really really heartwarming to see because we've lacked a striker up there all season in the absence of Dominic Calvert Lewin mm. through his injury record, and to have Damari Gray up there, obviously we we love Damari Gray as a player because of last season what he did for us, keeping us up in the division, um, but yeah, it was really good, to, it was really heartwarming to see on Saturday how good he was up front. I think we've got. Obviously, at the minute, we've got a huge problem not having that number nine in the mould of Tony because Dominic Calvert-Lewin, we simply can't rely on his fitness. So someone had to fill in there. And you're looking at your options and you go, with Neil Mope, obviously former Brentford, isn't quite up to the level. He he works hard at times. He doesn't seem to have enough for me as a lone striker. He's not tall enough. He's not fast enough. I think he'd be all right as a link in a two. Then you've got Ellis Sims, who is a youngster who... In reality, should never have been brought back from Sunderland. We have probably stunted his growth by doing that, and I think Dyche has already made his mind upon him. So then you're left looking at your wingers, thinking, can any of them play through the middle? And Damari Gray is the one that he went with in the end. And I think what that added against Forrest away was that pace and dynamism up front, and I think that reflected in today's game, uh, sorry, Saturday's game as well. But yeah, Damari Gray... He, he has that pace. He, once he gets hold of it, he runs with it. He carries the team forward. He can't quite hold it up like Calvert-Lewin, but he's there as kind of a fluid striker in a way. And it's actually made it now to the point where when Calvert-Lewin comes back, are you thinking, do you drop Gray or do you ease Calvert-Lewin in? I think it's difficult to, to drop Gray in, in this situation because he's been so good for us in recent weeks. Obviously scoring at Nottingham Forest, he was influential in the goal on Saturday. But yeah, it, it's, it really does bode well for the future, I think, having Gray up there and having that option. And it's very similar to what we had in Richarlison before he left for Tottenham. Richarlison could play anywhere across that front three and you'd ask him to play off the left, you'd ask him to play through the middle. He, he would do it and he would do it well. 
So I think having Gray to have that option is almost like a light-for-light replacement for Richarlison. Yeah, I, th- I completely agree with that as well. I think he's not quite got the goal threat of Richarlison, but then he's got that pace and dynamism, which players like Ozzy, you know, you've got Mbemo, you've got Tony as well, who actually is quite fast too. Obviously, looking ahead now to the rest of the season, you guys are still a strong side. Yes, the 12-game unbeaten run might have been ended, but that you can, you, I feel like your players have got the spirit. You've got a good manager there who can get back now, and it's all about seeing how you guys go in the final few games, with or without Tony. If you're looking ahead at the rest of the season now, how do you think you'll do? It's going to be a while. I mean, it's not going to be easy, because uh, we've got some very tough games after the break. Uh the likes of Brighton and Man United away back to back. So like that, that's, uh, you could have picked uh, you could have picked two worst games really, um, particularly given their form. If we can try and get that top ten, it'd be great. I mean, I know there's talk about I know there's been talk about Europe, but you know we never expected to even like be in the conversation. You know, just survive and you know be you know because no one really gave us a chance really to survive because you know having you know having lost Ericsson and you know seeing all them. All the press just talk, you know, just BS about us. So the fact that you know you were, you know, you were in free fall when you know before we came and all that, um, and just just as you know, been, you know, we've had some incredible results this season. You know, the United game, you know, being Liverpool under the lights. You know, those are two two special um, occasions. Of course, that late win at City as well. I can I forget that? What a game that was! <laughs> oh, what a game! <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm I'm, I'm just focusing. If you offered me a if you offered me top ten, I'd happily take it. Even even though uh, there's been a lot of talk about us getting to Europe, I'd, I'd happily take ninth, tenth if you offered it to me right now. Yeah, hundred percent. I I think that um, top ten is massive progress for Brentford as a football club because you look at where you were last season before Christian Eriksen came in in the January transfer window. You were teetering on relegation, and it was almost hit and miss between going up and staying uh, staying up and going down. Sorry, so. I think anywhere in the top 10 will be massive progress for Brentford. And listen, if you manage to get into Europe, what an achievement for a club like you. It's, it, it would be really, really heartwarming to see. And under the ownership of Matthew Bennon, who's a lifelong Brentford fan, for him to take you to Europe would be, be a really, really good story. I mean, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be incredible um, just to, um, just to like, you know, I mean, just to play in Europe would be just monumental and just special for the whole for every, everyone associated associated with the whole club. Obviously for Everton, I mean, would you guys? I mean, you should you'll just take any, anywhere above 18th. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the situation. Really, it's unbelievable to think that you know teams are coming up from the Championship and they're just overtaking us like you guys have done. It's so frustrating for us to see, but yeah, the rest of this season we are purely thinking about survival. With obviously the lack of January transfer business and losing Anthony Gordon as well, we were weaker at the end of the transfer window than we were at the start. So it was always going to be a mammoth task at that point. But now I believe we've got the right man to keep us up because I think he's he's trying to build a culture around the club. He's trying to get the players to all unite, align with each other and work hard. So I think the appointment was right, but it's whether he's had enough time and whether he's maybe been given long enough to sort it out. Because if he'd have had maybe... three or four more games like he could have we might be clear right now but now I think it's going to go right down to the wire but I think we'll stay up Ali what do you think I mean I've been quite pessimistic haven't I in recent weeks with our survival chances I've been worried that we would be going down even after Nottingham Forest the draw at the city ground I was still thinking that we'd go down I've had a little bit of a change of heart over the weekend especially after the Brentford result because I wasn't expecting it and you only have to look at the stats of the last few weeks between Sean Dyche's tenure 
and Frank Lampard's tenure. Frank Lampard had three wins in 20 matches as Everton manager this season, and Sean Dyche has got three wins in seven. So if you're taking this going forward, I do think we'll stay up. But listen, it's the Premier League. Anything could happen. And it's going to be a massive, massive test between now and the end of the season for us to stay up. But I'm going to remain positive and say we're going to stay up. So, Uzi, if you were to say, will Everton stay in the Premier League? If you had to put money on it either way, which way would you go? I'm going to say, yeah, I think you will survive. And I hope you do anyway. We really, really hope we do. (laughs) And that is all from the blue corner of a game of two halves. It's been great having you on, Uzi. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for having me.